welcome to the Living in the Yum podcast. I'm your host, Emma Garrison with Balance and Bliss Coaching. We will uncover ways to break through those limiting beliefs and stand in the power of you. Each week, the Living in the Yum series brings innovative, thought-provoking, and actionable content to help you gain clarity, alignment, and connection with your soul and heart. It's time to take action. Take an authentic stand for yourself and unapologetically live more into the young every single day. Are you ready? Here we go. Katie, Lynn, I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you. This is someone who is so special in my life. She is a big catalyst for me in so many shifts in my life, spiritual and emotional and like connection to self and just exploration of what it means to be conscious and aware and setting a life up um, for freedom. And that's something that you do with powerful women all across the world, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's just my reality, you know, and I think, um, you are like one of the people who I'm most excited to bring on because of all of your wisdom and love and like your delivery, I think is really powerful. And it's going to be so cool to have everyone in my world get to experience someone who's so special to me and has has really held so much for me too. So I'm so stoked to have you here. And this is going to be so much fun. Yay. Oh my gosh, this means so much to me. I, uh, I absolutely adore you, as you know, and I tell you like all the time, I'm obsessed with you. Um, but I, I just, I love having the opportunity to sit here and chat with you and also get to interact or engage with the people who are in your world, because I believe that like attracts like. And so if we are committed to being just powerful, authentic expressions of our hearts and souls, and we're going to attract people who are committed to the same thing. And that just makes for awesome tribes of people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I just shared this with you in one of the groups um, that you have that I participate in. And that's been one of my favorite things about getting to work with you and having a coach is the community that it brings. And I think that's sometimes overlooked when people think about a coach because it's like, oh, I'm doing one-on-one work. But really, it's so much more than that with creating, like you said, a powerful tribe of like authentic people who have similar um, ways of doing life or ways of wanting to do life. And that is like, you can't put a price tag on that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's one of my deepest desires in this work in particular is to bring women together. Because Mm -hmm. when I, I survey, I feel like I'm constantly in in survey mode around women and, and asking them, what are you struggling with? What do you most desire? What do you want to create? And, uh, last year I did that. And it's what inspired the, the SMR community that we have. Um, and the, the number one thing that they said they were craving was community and support because sometimes, at least in my experience as well, my, my evolution in this, in this personal development kind of journey is, is that it was lonely. The first, you know, year, two years, I was like, I felt so 
um, siloed in my experience because I was exploring these realms that, that my friends weren't necessarily into and my family didn't quite understand. And then I wasn't so sure about it either. Cause I was like, have I gone off the deep end? You know, you know those moments where you're like, is this really me or what am I doing? And so, uh, when I began to really dive in full time into to coaching from my past as a, as a psychotherapist, I, I really, began to say, if I am going to work with women, and if my commitment is to enhance the quality of life of women, we get to know that everything in this life is relationships. And, and I get to really commit to bringing women together, whether that's online, whether that's in person, like, I get to get over my stories, whatever stories I had around being seen around being a leader, all of those things, and just really step step aside so that I could create spaces for women to come together and, and realize that they're not alone in their journey and their transformation and what they struggle with. I mean, I can't even if I had a dollar for every time I heard a woman go, Oh, my gosh, that's me. She just shared what I relate to. <laughs> and I would be like super duper multimillionaire because we're so we're so different and unique and we're so similar at the same time. Like we can learn so much from each other. And I love it's also sort of selfish for me too, because I get so excited when I see the women that I brought together. Let's love each other. Mm-hmm. Like have the best time and develop relationships and create things together. It just totally is like my my joy. And so there's a little bit of selfishness in there too, but it's, it's a win-win for everybody. And that's what I try to create. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean the, the community, or as some people say the tribe, I mean, it's, it's the tribe. It's just so important and impactful. And one of the things that um, I've learned from you and that we talk a lot about is like the messy is okay. And that's part of the process. And something that I've experienced and that I know so many of my peers um, in this self-growth space have experienced is that when you step into this world, to your point of like, my family didn't really get it and my current friends didn't really get it. And so then it makes me question and it's hard and awkward and weird. But then like on the other side of that, there's a whole group of people who also have experienced that same messiness of, mm-hmm. is this right? Or we have struggles that maybe not everybody around us is also experiencing. And on the other side of those struggles is the community of people who are also experiencing that. And like the connection can firm up. Um, but yeah, I just love this idea of this process is messy and that's okay. And it has to be for the growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. And that was one of, so one of the most powerful epiphanies I had in my own journey. And then with my clients is like guiding them sort of into the mess, you know, especially in our, in our first intake call, like I, I am super straight up around like your life's going to shift radically. It's going to shift really fast. It's going to get messy and I'll be here with you, you know, because Mm -hmm. it it can be the mind will, will cling to what it's used to experiencing. And, and whether that is, is in our best interest or not. And so we get to navigate this, this quote unquote mess um, with a, a next level surrender and with a guide 
who's navigated her own messes, you know, and who knows, like, if, if you have enough belief and if you have a safe space to be messy, then that mess will transform into the most magnificent experience you could have not even imagined probably with our sweet little human brains, you know? Um, and what, what really, I think, 10x is that process is having a community that's committed to walking into the mess with you. And and there's a super distinction with humans where we have a tendency to want to bond with people who have been through what we've been through. And I I sort of shift the the perspective on this a bit and I I really encourage people to be open to the people who, who have been through what you've been through, but also seek the people who are committed to experiencing what you want to experience, because that's really future focused friendship versus past wounded relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're not bonding over this tragic thing happened or this awful thing happened and, and sort of swimming in that frequency. Now you're bonding over, Oh my gosh, you want to start a business? I'm starting a business. Let's do this together. You know, let's, let's dive in here. Or you want to experience conscious partnership. I do too. Let's go see what we, what the tools that we need to, to equip ourselves with, to do that, or, or what we need to clear to do that. And, and you go on this journey together where everyone is committed to their own growth and their own expansion and the seasons that, that all of that involves, you know, because the, the mess in many ways is, is the most powerful place to be. It's where you have your richest learnings, your richest lessons, your greatest epiphanies. And, and at the same time, it's like, Oh, this is painful. Or, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to make it right. And so that's where the community or the guide comes in and says, you got this you got this. This is what's coming. I can feel what's coming. Ride these waves. I'm here with you. If you need anything, let me know, but know that you're supported all the way. And that can make all the difference in the world versus feeling super alone trying to navigate the mess. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think too, like to your point of having the friendships focus on where I'm going and the commitment to going there. Mm -hmm. Like it's one Mm -hmm. thing to experience people who are like, yes, I want to live a life of joy and I am here for it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a gap in, yeah, that's what I want. And then am I willing to commit to the posting the picture that makes me want to show up? because the world will really see me. Like, are you willing to step into the discomfort to get that life of joy? Because that, that commitment needs to be a commitment. Like that's where the magic is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And surrounding yourself with people who are willing to get uncomfortable with you. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, in my, in my history, as women, sort of the way that we're wired, we're, we're inherently wired to quote unquote people, please. And it's not a negative thing. It's our wiring because we, you know, our animal, the human animal of us was designed to keep people together. We we were sort of the Velcro, right? Like keep the babies with the mamas, keep the mamas with the families, keep the families together so that we can survive because we know that we thrive in community. And so when we can really sort of take a step back and, and look at like, okay, we don't necessarily need the people pleasing to survive anymore in this day and age. However, we, we, we 
do know that it brings us certain gifts along with it. it means we're highly perceptive to others emotions we are very intuitive around sort of what next step seems to be and we're we're very innately connected to a power that's beyond what we could imagine. Um, and we also can we're super perceptive around like spatial expressions, changes in the environment. And so I say all of this because you, most women will run this way on autopilot because we're not actually educated about it. And if we can know that this exists, then we can step a bit further into the uncomfortable thing of calling someone forward, mm-hmm. which is what a great friend will do. And in these communities that I create, it's like, I, I, I really believe that you can call people forward, right? And you can say, I invite you to post the picture and let us know, because as soon as you post it, we're going to comment, we're going to share it, we're going to like it. Or as soon as you do the, do the podcast, or as soon as you launch the program, let us know so we can come rally around you. And we're not letting you off the hook. We're not going to let you run with it. We're not going to tell you it's okay to wait another three months. We're not going to tell you you're not ready. You know, all of the stuff that the mind wants to tell us as, as a, you know, mechanism to, to postpone what we know is most, is most being asked of us. Um, the, the women in your life hopefully will have the courage to get uncomfortable alongside you because it's not always comfortable to call someone forward. It's, it's not always the, the thing that, I want to do most as a coach and that you want to do most as a friend, you know, like, it's like, okay, I hear that, that, you know, she's in this place where it feels dark and, and from the outside in her life is falling apart. I've had so many clients message me where I'm like, yeah, your life is falling apart. And it's great, you know, because I, because having been through the experiences that I've been through, I can see, I can see beyond the present moment of chaos. I can see the reorganization that's happening. I can see how, this is in service to her developing the characteristics that she's going to need to be the woman she needs to be in order to receive her dream life. And it still means it's uncomfortable in this moment. It still means it's confronting and it still means that she'll need support. And we all will at some point many times over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about the community and tribe aspect, especially the ones that I'm a part of that you've created too, is that, those containers almost are a permission slip. This is how I perceive it, are a permission slip of these people are here for growth. Mm-hmm. And we get to hold each other accountable because we've we're going towards the same thing. Yeah. And whether that's building a coaching business or building a hair salon or building a candle company, I mean, there's like so many different places quote unquote that we're going and the process of getting there and the willingness to like you said sit in that discomfort and the the like ah everything's falling apart what is happening yeah I think that the like guiding light and mirror that a coach or community and tribe gets to hold for you as you sit in that feeling like your life is falling apart, that is so powerful because sometimes when that life falls apart, it's like, you're just floundering. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or it feels that way. It feels that way. And the mind just becomes, oh, the mind just does some wild things in those moments, you know, especially if it's a deep, deep healing that's happening and it involves your body. I mean, all kinds of stories will come through. 
you know? And, and so to have those, like you said, those mirrors standing around you and just being like, we see you, we still see you. We know it's chaotic. We know it's painful. We know you want to cry in bed all day. Like we get it and we still see you and, and we believe in you and post the picture you know, or like <laughs> do the thing. Right. And, and, and then we, and then that person walks through it. And on the other side, it's like the celebration. It's like the, her confidence is raised. Now she's like more aware of how much she's actually loved. And she has evidence that the stories in her mind are running are not actually true all the time. And it's just this like, sort of like expansion that happens. And it's like, Oh, it's so beautiful if if we can all give give each other the grace and the space to be in the chaos, knowing that the chaos is what's going to like uh, slingshot us forward into what we say we desire. And uh, it's so funny because in the Queenmaker program, you know, I think there's a lot of association that people have between like doing the sort of quote unquote like shadow work, the darker work in order to get through the, the healing that needs to happen. And in the Queenmaker, I have um, two weeks that are dedicated. One is to joy and one is to, to sexuality, to, to being sexy. And these sound like things that would be quote unquote fun, right? Like, oh, I want to have more joy. I want to feel sexy more often. And they're the most confronting things for us, for us women. Sometimes it's like my joy. Oh my gosh. Am I being too joyful? Am I too happy right now? Do I have a reason enough to be happy? Like, so it's not always this, the dark shadow work, the deep, dark, like sobbing on the floor. That's going to activate and trigger what needs to be seen in order for you to heal to the next level. Sometimes it's like that, that really, really great night out or that, that commitment to joy or the commitment to pleasure or the commitment to, to having just a great time in your life for no apparent reason um, that triggers just as much healing as well. So that's the, that's the beauty of this journey is that it doesn't need to be deep and dark and, and difficult all the time, even though there's going to be moments like that. It's also going to be like this, these phases of you where you're just like elated at the fact that you're breathing, you know, and that brings up the stuff that you get to look at. So my, my greatest joy is seeing women come together and, and be curious together and love on each other together and, and really inspire one another because that's another thing that's so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch one woman go, okay, um, I'm going to go live about my program. And so then everybody goes, yeah, go live about your program. And then she goes live about her program. And then the next one goes, I'm going to, I'm going to launch a podcast. Cause you went live on your program. It's like, yeah. And then another one goes, you did a podcast. So I'm going to do a podcast. So like, yeah. You know, and it's like just this, like all of, they all just start to like pop in their own unique way. And it's so beautiful because, you know, we can, it, it undoes this sort of scarcity programming around, oh my gosh, everybody's doing a podcast because then you see what's created and like everybody's podcast is different and everybody's videos are different. And, and the essence, like we just can't help but infuse our essence into everything that we create. And I just love how, um, as women, when we, when we can drop the scarcity, when we can drop the competition and, and when we can step into like the wonder of what, a, what it is to be a woman and the power in that, it's like, oh my gosh, we are limitless. We're so limitless. You bring up the, an interesting point about like sort of that ripple effect of, mm -hmm. oh, she's doing it. I'm going to do it. Da, 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 da. And my perception of that and my experience of that has been getting to witness each other in the messy and then watching somebody else pull through that and say, I'm going to do this anyway. It's like, 
oh my gosh, she's messy. I'm messy. She can do that. Oh, I can do that too. Yeah. You don't have to be in this picture perfect world to do anything because first of all, there's no such thing as a picture perfect world. Yeah. Like that's such an illusion because there's always going to be the highs and lows and that creates the beauty that creates the curiosity of, Ooh, what was that about? Mm -hmm. And getting to ask yourself those questions and that willingness to see each other in the highs and lows reaffirms, Oh, we all get to participate in the yum, in the joy, in the, podcast, launching a business I've always wanted to launch, whatever it might be. And that is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's so enlivening. Yeah. Like, especially because as women, we, we love people so much and we so deeply desire to love each other so much. Mm -hmm. And, And there's, there's been historically, there's been a lot of wounding around the relationships between women and, and the relationships between women and men too. We're still very much in the throes of healing all of that. And, and yet it's like in these communities, one of my greatest intentions is to have it be a safe space Mm. and like a safe space for a woman to get messy because so many of us, the reason that we resist the mess is because at some point when we were younger, when we were little, we had, we did something that we, we categorized mentally as quote unquote messy and we were reprimanded for it or we were rejected for it or we were abandoned for it, whether or not that was the other person's intention in their response to our quote unquote messiness. That's how it was perceived. And that's the story that was made in our consciousness. And so that's what we've been operating according to. And it's not just the people in our immediate environment. It's the, it's the media, it's the advertising, it's the messaging that's sort of infused into everything, you know? And so we get to really start to reprogram that and be like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, snotty cried in front of this person on zoom, who's like witnessing me and she still loves me. And she still wants to be my friend and she still wants to buy my course or she still wants, you know, like that's so healing, right? Because the mind goes, oh my gosh, if people see that you don't have your stuff together, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to believe in you. And it's like, no, what they might actually see is that you're humaning right along with them and you're not some avatar who's like living life out here and then sort of crawling back into her cave at night to do her thing. Like we get to be my perception is we get to be as authentic as possible. And, and in a way, I I feel like that is feminine leadership. Like feminine leadership is like, can you, can you be as authentic as possible? Can you live according to your values as consistently as possible? And are you willing to be reflective in your interactions with people, in how you're engaging with the world, in how, how you're expressing yourself? Can you learn from everything? Yeah. Yeah. And the authenticity component, you know, is very important to me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember going, I went to an influencer event with you and we sat and listened to this panel of influencers speak. And one of them, one of the questions that the host asked to one of the women was, um, are you the same person? I'm modifying, but something along the lines of, are you the same person online as you are in real life? And this person so blatantly said, oh no, like down to my name. I have a different name online. I use a different name at work. And then I have a different name in my personal life. And they're so separate and it's, none of them are connected. And I remember saying to you afterwards, like, I never want to be 
influencing like that, that's not supportive for me, for the way that I choose to live life and the way that the people that I want to call in and experience life with, like, no, I want, you know, what you're talking about in this feminine leadership of this is who I am, take it or leave it. But people are attracted to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People love people who are willing to show, oh God, I had such a horrible day and I just want to go and crawl under my sheets. And somebody who can say, like, we are powerful and we're going to move forward and we're going to support each other and hold each other and let's freaking do it. Like, you can be both. Yeah. And the world wants to see both. And that being seen in all of that is what I crave and what I hope to be, you know, putting out into the world. And I think it's so important, specifically in the work that we do with coaching, um, mm-hmm. to bring forward. Like you get to be who you are everywhere at all times and still be fully loved and supported and appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think back, so, you know, my history, my training is in psychology and I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I've worked in some of the most trauma infused, you know, environments in, in the country. Um, and with the sort of the quote unquote toughest populations. I worked in the, the, the jails and I worked in the prisons and, um, and I spent about 10 years doing that. And what I, what really led to my sort of awakening and epiphany was like the people who are in these environments who are thriving are the people who are authentic to their truth and they allow themselves to be really grounded in their purpose and in their mission, regardless of their environment. Like I worked with people who were more free, who had been incarcerated for 10, 15, 20 years than people who I meet every day on the street. Mm-hmm. No, because so much of, of freedom is an internal job. It's in the internal work. You know, there were, there were women at the institution that I worked at who were totally happy. Now, did that mean that they wanted to be there? No, not necessarily. They, they still wanted the opportunity to be out in the community. And they also didn't allow their current situation to impact their mood, their willingness to learn, their um, service, any of it. And so I think that where we really get to have take our power back is in, in our authentic expression and in being authentic everywhere. And and that is, from my perspective, one of the most courageous things that we can do, not just as human beings, but as women as well, because we've been so conditioned away from that, you know? And, and so um, it's really a beautiful time in, in, our, in our world and in our evolution as a collective to say, am I brave enough to take the risk to be me, mm-hmm. to be authentic, whatever that looks like? And, and then surrounding yourself with people who are committed to the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love, love the idea about freedom being intrinsic and an internal job. And one of the things that you talk about that I think is so important in this process of awakening, growth, spiritual connection, however we want to identify with this process is 
radical responsibility mm-hmm. because, and this is something that I've worked through with you recently of sitting in victim mode and saying, hold up, there is always a part of you that is responsible and that gets to take that responsibility. And that concept has been such a pivotal experience for me. And I think that ties right back to freedom's intrinsic or an internal job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The yes to the, to the radical responsibility. And, <laughs> and this is at least in my experience, the most confronting mm-hmm. of of personal development of, of anything, because we can be so, um, especially at the beginning of our journeys and of, of inquiry, you know, internally, we can be so unaware of, of our patterns, of our conditioned tendencies of our, even our intentions, you know, like I, I would look at something and be like, why did I do that? What was my intention with that? You know? Um, but all that to say that this process of becoming radically responsible can be so deep. And, and I say that because a component of this that I think is so important for people to really, really be open to when they say yes to radical responsibility is forgiveness. Mm. Because one of the, um, for example, like when the, in the queen maker program, when I have the women enroll, I send them a contract. And one of the, one of the um, commitments on the contract is to be willing to practice radical forgiveness all throughout the program, because we're in that program. We are learning things about women that we never knew. And, and there's going to be moments where it's like, why didn't I know this? Am I a bad woman? Because I didn't know this. Why didn't anybody tell me? There's going to be things about men that we learn that we're like, oh my gosh, I did this to every single one of the men that I dated. And I had no idea it made him feel that way. Wow. You know, we're going to learn things about the body that we didn't know that we've been beating ourselves up for our whole lives mm-hmm. that we're like, oh my gosh, I thought that was my fault. And actually it's a function of my physiology. Holy moly. Like, so this practice of like radical forgiveness of being like, okay, I, I did that and I didn't know better and I wasn't aware. So can I forgive myself? And then now moving forward, be radically responsible for the knowledge that I have and the actions and behaviors that I'm committed to stepping into this new way of being for myself. Because the, the radical responsibility piece will, will gut you and, and it will also free you at the same time. Totally. It's, it's the most divine dichotomy there is out there, I think. One million percent. And I think you hit it nail on the head with the self-forgiveness aspect. We, I think especially as women sit in the beating ourselves up over something and most of the time, my experience has been that that stems from an intention of, I won't do that again, or I'll do better next time. And the self-forgiveness aspect helps prevent us from living into that, I have to beat myself up in order to change future patterns. Yeah. 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 Because that's not sustainable. No. And I remember, oh my gosh, Emma, I remember 
the first time a coach said this to me was probably like seven years ago. And she said, what if you stopped beating yourself up for like not working out? (laughs) And I was like, well, if I do that, then what would make me want to work out? Like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my whole life. Like, that's how I get myself to work out is I go look in the mirror and I look at what's wrong with my body. And then I get all fired up about it. And then I'm able to go and run X amount of miles or do X amount of high intensity interval training or whatever that is. Right. And I was like, that is absurd. Um, It's also the reason why I couldn't access happiness. It's the reason why I reached the quote unquote goal, weight, ideal physicality and was still miserable. It's because in order to get my butt moving, I thought I needed to beat myself up and I was, my body was tired of it and my soul was tired of it. And so it's like, okay, well, what, what actually happens if I stop beating myself up? And it's like, oh gosh, my stress hormones go are, are decreased. My body starts to release weight super easily. I'm now inspired to go work out because it feels good and it releases all these you know, chemicals in my brain and in my body that just make me feel amazing. Um, it generates, it, it immediately activates my, my capacity to create and attract the things that I most desire, whether that's people, whether that's money, whether that's business opportunities, like there's all of these reasons why it's safe to be inspired to move versus like pushed to move. And there's, of course, there's still days where it's like, I don't feel like it, you know? And on those days, it's like, well, if I don't feel like it, okay. And is it in service to my long vision? Is it in service to my values? And if it is, then I'm getting up and I'm moving. And and then 10 minutes in, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm good. You know, you've forgotten that you didn't feel like it 10 minutes ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something that is so relatable, especially for women. And I'm sure for men too, of having this pattern of using self-hate as a motivation Mm -hmm. or beating yourself up or whatever. I'm going to use self-hate for simplicity purposes in this conversation. And in my process, something that I was working on doing was switching from self-hate to self-love. And so anytime I was experiencing what do I want to eat or do I want to go to the gym and asking myself, Oh, is this in service of self-love felt like, you know, every time, of course you're making choices um, that serve the self-love perspective. And there was still a gap. There was still not like a 100%. Ooh, this is so yummy. I'm loving this. And And you recently shared with me this concept of neutrality Mm -hmm. and sitting in rather than just, ah, everything's self-love and I'm, which by the way, it's not like that. Even when I do make decisions always based on self-love. Yeah. And the neutrality brings this whole new perspective and experience. And, and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about neutrality and and how that polarization of self-love and self-hate don't need to be the only two options. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is like one of my fave topics. Um, because, because I was somebody, so in my past, you know, along with being a licensed psychotherapist and and having all of this education around psychology and, and work in this field, I struggled really deeply with an eating disorder. 
And, and so I would hear people, which is deep, deep self-hatred, right? It's, it's like literally like the, the holding the paradigm of like, I don't want to be in this body, you know? Um, and so I would hear people go, well, you just have to love yourself. And it's like, I would, I would drive myself crazy because I'm like, how do I go from not wanting to be in this body to being so elated that I'm in this body that feels like asking an infant to run? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's such a big gap. There's, there's steps that need to happen along the way. And so I started to get curious because, you know, in this, the field of psychology, um, eating disorders are sort of considered the, the most difficult to treat in, in people because of, because of the, the paradigm that happens internally to sustain them um, and, the, and the black and white thinking. And so I said, okay, what if, what if I made an agreement with myself that Every time I stepped in the mirror, I just wouldn't talk negative. It's not that I wouldn't say I love myself. It's not that I wouldn't say I love my body. It's that I just wouldn't say anything, you know, because I would look in the mirror and I would be like, oh my God, your, your legs, your thighs, your abs, your arms, your whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I did this with my skin too. And I used to have acne, like really bad cystic acne. And so I made an agreement. I said, okay, okay, Katie, every time you see your skin in the mirror, you're just going to be silent. There's going to, if you catch yourself going into an inner dialogue, you're just going to bring it back. You're not going to say anything nice. You're not going to say anything negative. You're just going to be neutral. And that practice of neutrality brought me into a space where I no longer identified personally, like my ego identity personally with my physicality. Mm-hmm. And I began to be really free and experience this freedom. Every time I walked by a mirror, my skin cleared up. I very rarely have a pimple anymore because I'm never looking in the mirror going, oh my gosh, your skin is awful, right? Like I look in the mirror and I go, cool skin, you know? And now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, my skin looks bomb, you know? But that, that's years into it, you know? That wasn't a, a two-week thing or even a even a two-month thing. That was like this practice of just like, repatterning sort of my behavior and, and how I moved when I was in front of a mirror. And, um, and we get to sort of give ourselves permission to be neutral. Neutral doesn't mean that, that we're, that we're not loving ourselves. A lot of times, if we're moving from self-hatred or from moving from a place of having a toxic relationship with ourselves or with anybody else, um, neutral is a really great space to aspire to be in you know, because that's going to, that's going to take a lot of courage. That's going to take a lot of commitment. That's going to take a lot of intention and training to, to get yourself to engage with that person without making meaning about how they're perceiving you or what they're saying about you or to post the pictures or to start the business or to, to walk by the mirror and just have an experience where you are not beating yourself up. You're not talking negatively to yourself. And it may be that you just don't say anything internally. Mm-hmm. And, and from that place, if it's neutral and we, we are able to sort of untangle the emotional charge that we have attached to this, this thing, oftentimes the thing in quotes is this mental paradigm that we've held, this the story that we've made up about our bodies or our relationships or our money or whatever it is. If we can untangle our emotions from that thing, then we have the freedom to rewrite a new story. Mm. And we have the freedom to actually be in the space of like, okay, if it's neutral, and I can create anything from here. Now, what do I create? Yes. Yes. This idea of neutrality gets to be tied to motivation as well. 
like the internal dialogue gets to be turned down a little bit, at least just to neutral and the motivation factor. So for me, like my motivation to get to the gym and to move my body is about changing my physicality, not about moving my body for my soul and processing and moving. And we had talked about this earlier where like, I feel very neutral about going to a yoga class. Love it. It's great. But like kind of either way, because for me, it's about connection to soul and I want to do that. And it feels yummy. Awesome. Going to the gym is like contraction and not good. Mm -hmm. This is a story going on in my head about it and have to do it, have to. And so the neutrality being motivation and stemming from how do I get to a space of, I'm just moving to move. I'm just moving to fuel my soul and to do what's right by my body, not because I want to shape shift my physical appearance. Yeah. And that's just one example and stepping into that and shifting that takes time. But I think the neutrality can be such a powerful tool for the motivation behind doing what we're doing and kind of creating, yeah, the, the long-term vision is an important why to consider for sure. And I think like a baby step in getting there is shifting to a neutral perspective when we think about motivation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and I think that the, the motivation, right. Is, is like giving yourself permission to have a more than one why, you know, I think when I, when I hear the statement of like, find your why I don't resonate with that because I'm like, find your whys. Like there's, there's at least five that on any given day will get me up and out of bed. Some days it's some days and most days it's my son. Um, other days, it's the fact that there are women out there who are walking around suffering because they don't feel like they're fully expressed and they don't feel like a, an awesome relationship is available to them. Or they don't feel like their, their ideal physicality is an option for them, or they feel like they have to be poor, you know, or, or whatever the belief is. And so having whys that are really like in alignment with your heart's desires. And this is where it gets a little scary. And this is where I think that the self-hatred actually comes in is like, because the self-hatred is a great mechanism to keep us from, from accessing our deepest desires. Because when we share our deepest desires, please know that if you share your deepest desires, you communicate it authentically, you rally the support that you'll need along the way to, to create those, those desires, to bring them into fruition, they will come to be. And oftentimes that's more, more confronting than any, any aspect of not getting it. We're used to, we've sort of been conditioned to not receive what we're asking for. You know, as little kids, we are told no at, at 10 times the, the, the rate that we're told yes. So most of us are conditioned for no. That's familiar, even though it can be heartbreaking sometimes. It's really familiar. Most of us step into partnership and are waiting for that thing to end or waiting for him to reject us or waiting for it to not work out. And, and so that paradigm, unfortunately, is, is entrained and, and we're used to it. So we're like, if it doesn't work out, I'm okay. You know, like, I know I could survive this, but we don't have a whole lot of evidence to support that we can survive our, our creating and living into our deepest desires. Mm-hmm. And, and so most of us just don't even go there. We're like, Oh no, I'm not even going to go there. And, and so because I'm not going there now, I'm going to beat myself up to keep myself here where I'm at. And so when we can actually get deep 
into like, what do I most desire? And, and give ourselves permission to take that risk because it is a risk. Energetically, it's such a risk to say yes to, to owning what you deeply desire. Like, and, and especially because the you, the you that existed up to this point before stating that, that this is what I deeply desire, she won't, ha- she won't be able to come along. In, yeah. order for, in order for you to bring this deep desire forward, whether that's an incredible partnership with somebody that you love, whether that's an amazing business, whether that's more money, whether that's, you know, deep community, whatever that is, it's going to require a different version of you. And the thing that the, that the mind and the body fear most is change in that way. And so like giving yourself the permission to go for the why, right? What are your whys? And then shifting, shifting the focus into neutral around any physical change in the body. If we're talking body specifically, the other thing is, um, this is something that I didn't just put into practice with my body, but I put it into practice with romantic relationships. And so I have, I've been married and divorced and and dated. And, um, as I was reviewing my partnerships, right. I'm going, uh, there's a theme here. And the theme is I end it. I run and I, every single time I walk into a relationship, I, I don't hold the belief very firmly that it will last. And I'm surrounded by women who are constantly sustaining a particular dialogue about men. Meaning like um, some of the examples would be men don't commit. Men uh, are work. Having a relationship is a lot of work. Um, they aren't worth it. It's so much easier to be single. Um, they don't show up consistently. This programming was awful, you know, around men. And, and I, and when I said, okay, I, I deeply desire awesome romantic partnership. It was terrifying because I needed to shift my friend, my peer group. I needed to, to, to detoxify that space because if all I'm hearing every day is what, what is so horrible about men then that's not nourishing the long vision of like partnership. I needed to resource myself with different tools and, and, and um, you know, knowledge around what it meant to be a woman, what it means to be a man and what it means for both a man and a woman to step in and engage with each other. And then I also needed to become neutral about relationships, which meant that I needed to, to heal the hurts from the past relationships so that I didn't carry them into the one I'm in now. And we don't get to a, The reason I think neutrality is so important here is because we don't get to a zero, you know, it's not like, like now I'm in a romantic partnership and it's awesome. And there's still some stuff that will be triggered in this dynamic. That's from, that's from when I was married or it's from when I was partnered in college. And it's like, oh, that's still here. Now, can I, can I bring myself back to neutral and can I make an agreement that I will no longer make this mean that anymore in this dynamic? And so like having that space of neutrality creates so much opportunity for us to move into a dynamic with curiosity, with understanding, with creativity, um, and with trust so that we can actually be present with what's possible here now. Yeah. The idea that neutrality drives and supports the curiosity really resonates with me in the idea of when the emotional charge is pulled out of it, we become so much more resourceful, like literally resourceful in our brain. Yeah. When the emotion is taken out. 
And so in a situation like what you're referring to with creating partnership, when that neutrality is it, like this, this whole process is not about not experiencing the negative self-talk come up or not experiencing the, it's not about like living in some la la land. It's about experiencing the negative self-talk or the old belief patterning from previous relationships and then getting curious about it and being really aware of, is that, you know, in service of my long-term vision, is that in service of creating conscious partnership? Is that in service to whatever the, you know, highlight is and the neutrality allows for that curiosity and that internal dialogue of getting, just getting curious about what's happening. And is that where I want to be headed? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, Emma, it really, because, you know, I have had the, the tendency, especially in relationship dynamics to um, want to be a quote unquote, good girl, good person, (laughs) right? I want to be good. And, um, and so if something comes up that triggers the person that I'm with, I will go, if I don't maintain my neutrality, I will go into defense mode almost immediately. And that serves nobody. Like the conversation from that point, as soon as the walls go up, it serves nobody. We get nowhere. And so, um, the neutrality in that respect is really like, great because it's like, okay, I I can catch it. Like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't eradicate the negative self-talk. It doesn't eradicate anything. It just sort of takes us two steps away from it in terms of our emotional reaction to it. And, and to me, this directly ties into the radical responsibility because if I can be neutral about it and it doesn't mean I'm a bad person or I'm a wrong person, it means that I'm radically responsible. Now I can move in a way that moves my relationships forward. It moves my business forward. It moves my creations forward, my body forward, like everything. And, and so, and it's often, right, as we said about radical responsibility, sometimes it's a giant slice of humble pie that you just get to, you just get to take a bite of in the, in the moment because you catch yourself. I catch myself and I go, ah, shoot. Yeah. You know, I, I got, I got wrapped up in it. I got wrapped up in it. Okay. Okay. If I was, if I were going to be neutral here, you know, and this is such a powerful, powerful tool for communication in partnership. But like, if I were to be neutral here, what is the outcome I most desire? Mm. Oh, the outcome I most desire is to go watch a movie with this man peacefully and, and in a happy state. So is my, is my emotional attachment to being right in service to that outcome? No, Katie, it's not. It's in service to you wanting to be right. And you're, you know, you're like hanging on to this thing. Like I'm going to win this. And it's like, no, if you're neutral, what you can see is what you most desire is deeper connection with him. What you most desire is to be seen and heard. And so what you need to ask him right now, after you take a bite of your humble pie is, can you just listen to me? And then you spill it out. And then he says, I, I heard you. And then you say, okay, I'm better now. And then you go off and you watch your movie together (laughs) and you don't make whatever just occurred mean that you're insignificant or unimportant or not valued or whatever the story is, you know, that's triggering the old wound. It's like the neutrality just has this really powerful way of creating a ton of space Mm -hmm. and like making, making the, the piece of humble pie taste just a little bit better. Yeah. One of the things, uh, we've had a lot of shift in my family in the last 
year and a half. And one of the things that we always go back to that my mom always says is, would you rather be right or experience love? Yeah. Yeah. Amen to mama. (laughs) Yes, I know. And it's, and every single time I think about that, I'm like, oh, right. You know, to your point, there's a higher outcome that I would rather have that this reaction and behavior and conversation is not supporting mm-hmm. because of their ego fighting, quote unquote, yeah. not what our soul or spirit or intuition or whatever desires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you brought up, you didn't use these words exactly, but I think the concept is important to, to bring to the table, which is we subconsciously find evidence to support whatever we're believing. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So like thinking about partnership and every man's going to leave me or every man's going to do this or every man's going to do that. Like You are going to experience that all over the place because your subconscious is not working to find evidence to disprove that. It's working to find evidence to support it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. And this was, this was something that was really, um, an interesting journey for me to navigate in my own personal life. Like, you know, and, and here I want I would love to preface this because I've brought up my own personal stuff multiple times. And, and this is like, I, I am a very firm believer in like teaching on and coaching on what I've walked through personally. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I don't think that that means that I always have to go through terrible things in order to be a coach. I think it just means that I'm in constant reflection because part of what I, I didn't get, I didn't feel aligned with, with the, the therapy role is that, you know, we're taught in therapy to be sort of this blank slate mm-hmm. and, and in the space. And I am anything but a blank slate, you know, like I, I come <laughs> with stories, I come with, you know, humor and, and, and sometimes I'll even get teary eyed and emotional with a client. Like to me, there's a real humanity there that, that I very much value. And so I bring up my personal stories because I feel like it's what I've walked through. And, and so many times that's the, the way that I learn best from other people is like hearing their stories and being like, Oh gosh, I see myself in that totally, you know, and, and in preparation for, for partnership and in preparation for really anything that I'm going to create that I never sort of ventured to create before, or I haven't seen modeled Mm -hmm. for me, um, is, is really like, I, I make it a point now in my evolution to go collect evidence for it, you know? And so when I was like, you know, having been in, in a, only long-term relationships for the most part before being in this, this relationship that I'm in now, um, I had experienced infidelity and I had experienced, um, these things and, and I grew up in a blended family. So I sort of never knew a relationship dynamic without the presence of a quote unquote other woman. And and that's not to say that it, that it meant infidelity all the time because my parents have a, have an awesome marriage and they're, they're great, you know, people and humans. And I love them so much, but it was really interesting to see how, um, my consciousness would wrap in another woman, even if she wasn't present. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like this wild thing to, to, again, go back to radical responsibility, this wild thing to unpack. And then what I set out to do was like, okay, if, if this is what I'm calling in, I'm calling in a man who's, who's committed, who's creative, who's in his leadership, who's got an incredible heart, who's, you know, willing, loyal, right? All of these things. I get to start surrounding myself with couples who represent that. Mm-hmm. 
and men who represent that. And so that's what I intentionally started to do because that began to collect evidence to unravel this internal belief that, that men um, always have multiple women in their space and that you don't get to ever be sort of the, um, the queen in a space. And the queen in a space doesn't mean that he doesn't have female friends or, or female support by any means. It means that I get to heal those wounds so that I no longer feel threatened by the presence of another woman. Mm. And that transcends romantic partnership and moves into every area of my life. I no longer feel threatened by the presence of another woman, no matter who she is, no matter what she looks like, no matter how much money she's making or not making. It's like, I can see her for her soul, for her light, for her humanity, for her dark, for everything. Because in healing that within me, I, I can now, I can now give it out, you know, and be that space. And I think that's another thing that makes the community so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea underlaying in what you just talked about of in this work, a lot of times we go in focusing on one specific thing that we want to shift or change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you get a little bit more of that humble pie and realize, yeah. oh, shoot, that's affecting everything else in my life, too. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's probably why, particularly the women who work with you, and I certainly experienced this with you and, and coaching with you things do shift so damn fast. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's all freaking interconnected. Yeah. Even when we think, oh, it's just about relationship with a man or it's just about body image or it's just about my relationship with money um, and the stories that I have tied up in them because it's, it's all relevant to one another when you peel back those layers and do some of the digging of, where is this coming from and what healing have I not faced off with yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's mm -hmm. so true. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> I, I will look at, you know, if, if something comes up in, in internally for me, you know, I get to look at one of the questions I ask myself is where else is this showing up in my life? If there's, if there is a situation that presents itself, um, in my business or in my money or in my, in my partnership, I'm like, where else is this showing itself? Because this isn't the only place it's happening. And, and everything is mirroring each other, you know? And, and it's like, oh, okay. And part of the reason that I, that I function this way as a coach is because if, if I, if, if the client comes to me and says, I have a money problem, I don't hear, I have a money problem. I hear it, but like, Five layers deeper, I hear I have an uncertainty problem, mm -hmm. I have a risk-taking problem, or I have a self-trust problem, or I have a self-worth problem, right? And, and it's not a problem as in there's like, it's this terrible thing that's wrong with this person. It's like something that's like been stored in there. It's been programmed. We get to look at it, rewire it, unlock it. And once we unlock it, it chances are you don't just have a money problem in, in a vacuum. It's like there's there's your money problem is, is directly mirroring what's happening in your relationships. It's directly mirroring what's happening at work. It's mirroring what's happening with your spiritual connection. Like it's, it's all of it. So if I can get in there and, and, and get to the root, 
right? Then I can liberate you or support you in your liberation from this belief that's creating this just misery and suffering in, in, in the dynamic that you're experiencing. And so that's, that's part of the reason why I, I love the work that I do so much. And it's also part of the reason I give a disclaimer on, on every call, <laughs> on every call. And it's also, Emma, like really part of the reason I'm moving more into group work mm -hmm. is because, um, and, and the way that sort of my business is structured and I'm going to continue to structure it this way is that like I have offerings for people so that my one-on-ones, I, I funnel them into a group at some point. They're funneled into something where they're in a community um, because I think I just really believe in the power of community so, so deeply. Um, but, but part of the move into group work is because um, if, if in, in the one-on-one -on -one journey, it can be deep, especially if you're working with somebody like me, who's like, not going to let you squirm away from the root stuff, you know, who will consistently bring you back to it. And, and, um, and so in community, if everybody is facing off with the root stuff, then it's like, okay, I'm not alone. And there's a little bit more courage there. And there's a little bit more conviction. And there's a little bit, there's a, there's a bigger cap capacity for surrender in the process. And so given all of that, you bring it all together and there's an even greater opportunity at more evolution, like an even greater transformation. And so that is what excites me about the group stuff is because it's like, I, I, I not only is it my intention to keep my groups intimate, you know, I, I don't ever want to be that coach that has like a hundred people in a group, you know, and even though the business, that's a no for me. Yeah. The business mind goes, yeah, Katie, that's great. But, but for me, it's like, no, I, it's so important that I know everybody by name, that if they need to call me, they can call me that like, like that's, that means so much to me. And, and the, because I, I really believe like I'm here with you in this process. It's not like I've, I've done this and I'm complete. No, like I am here. We are walking this together, you know? So yeah. long as I have a heartbeat, I'm so human and I have my days and I have my stuff that's coming up and then I'm navigating right alongside you. And like, let's do this together mm -hmm. because it's like when we can create those spaces for ourselves and those opportunities to be in the neutrality, to take radical responsibility, to show up for each other courageously and ourselves, we can really do a whole lot of healing for one another and for ourselves and for the generations to come. And and not healing as in we've been wrong up until this point, but like healing as in what else could be creative? How can life get even better in this way? You know? I want you to share the different opportunities of groups that you have for people to, to hear and experience if they so please. The other thing I want to add to the, the power of the group experience and something that I've really loved and gained from is there's a lot of ego talk that happens just naturally. If, if we don't consciously like counteract it or say, Hey, pipe down, like I'm going to focus over here on what my greater mission is. Um, and sometimes that ego talk can prevent us from living in that neutrality and sitting in the resourcefulness of a curios uh, a curiosity, a curious state of mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, um, and in a group setting and getting to experience each other being coached or walked through a process, mm -hmm. it allows your ego mind to be dropped because it's not about you. It's about somebody else. And 
I would say 99% of the time that I've witnessed somebody else being coached, I A, see myself in the person who's being coached and can relate to whatever emotion or experience that they're going through. B, my ego mind is just turned way down because I don't have emotional attachment to what's happening um, or not emotional attachment. That's maybe not the right word. My ego is not tuned into what defense I may need to be on with hearing whatever's coming through. And then see whatever guidance or questioning that happens, most of the time I'm like, oh my gosh, like it hits home so much quicker because my ego's out of the way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause your defenses are down. Totally. The, the power in the group from that perspective for me has been so monumental as I've been learning to turn the ego down. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. So share with us how, how can people get involved? What do you have going on? Yeah. yeah. So right now I have, I'm enrolling for a program called the queen maker mm-hmm. and the queen maker for, for powerful women who are committed to creating personal freedom and real love. And so it's for women who are in relationship. It's for women who are interested in creating powerful partnership. Um, it's for women who are in leadership positions because what this program is about is it's about how do I have the tools to navigate conflict, to navigate um, self-sabotage, to navigate uh, my physical changes, my physical transformations, to navigate relationships, and to really be in that space of feeling empowered in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. And I've taken the best that psychology, personal development, spirituality, and physiology has to offer. And I've, I've combined all of them together. And what I love about this program that's super new um, in terms of what I create is that you get three individual calls. So you get one-on-one time with me throughout the program. And then there's two group calls per month. Um, there's a video training offered every week. There's homework every week and, um, and you'll be in community, but the group will be no larger than 10 women. So um, that's what I love about this particular container is it's intimate, it's deep, it's, it's radical, and you'll walk in one woman and you'll walk out seeing the world from a, from a completely different empowered place on the other side of, of 12 weeks. Um, so anybody who's interested in that and wants to apply, they can go to thequeenmaker.live um, and apply. The application is super short. It's just so I can get some information about you and then we hop on a call after. Um, the price point for this program is super friendly. Um, it is really a, a doable, a doable amount. And I'm super excited to have, to have that opportunity here for women because, um, there's nothing else like this on the market right now in terms of price point and in terms of just the, the high touchness of this program, um, and the intimacy in this container. Um, the other thing is I do my best to support my groups with, um, in-person offerings too. So, um, if, if you feel like the queen maker is a yes for you, go to the queenmaker.live and apply, uh, November 2nd, we'll be doing an in-person day that will be called creating 2020. It will be for creating 2020. We'll be visioning, we'll be vision boarding, um, we'll be photo shooting and the photo shoot will be centered around your highest self or, or the woman that you're creating in the next year. Um, so that will be incredible. That'll be in the LA area. And I have a couple openings for a one-on-one client. So if, if you're looking for something more like let's dive deep, Katie, I want, I want to experience you. Um, that's another opportunity as well. And any of that you can, you can explore on the queenacre.live. Um, and you can find me on social on Instagram at she is Katie Lynn, um, on Facebook, you type in Katie Lynn, I pop up. So that's how you reach me and you can DM me. I, I'm always responding to DMS and, and yeah, I love engaging with everybody. 
Yes. And if any part of this call, this call, this podcast <laughs> has resonated or created a spark of curiosity for you, I mean, this is just a sliver of the work Katie Lynn does in the Queen Maker and one-on-one coaching. I mean, this is just like a tiny little drop in the bucket. So highly encourage reaching out if this has spoken to you in any way. And I just am so grateful to have had you here. And I will link everything um, down below in the podcast information section. So there's a quick, easy link for people to to hop onto and awesome. to get to experience you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who's listened to this. Um, I hope that if you've listened to it, that you share it on social and tag Emma and tag me because I love to like repost those things and just celebrate the fact that all of us are learning together and evolving together. Um, and Emma, thank you for having me on. I absolutely adore you. And I know you and I could go for hours on this kind of stuff. We could literally like, we could jam all day, but this was so fun. So fun. And, and thank you. And I just, I'm so grateful to have you here and, and look forward to doing it again. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this week's episode or any episode of Living in the Yum podcast, please show it some love on whatever platform you use. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your neighbors. I work with clients in one-on-one settings all around the world and have group programs available as well. Let's get connected. Contact me at emma.m.garrison on Instagram or sign up for a discovery call at www.balanceandblisscoaching.com.